Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. He's Jim DeRigatis. And this week, we're checking in on how things are going for independent venues in Chicago. Here to talk with us about her article for the Chicago Reader, an excellent article, I might add, on this very subject, is Kendall Polidori. All right. Welcome to Sound Opinions, Kendall. Thanks for having me. Uh, Kendall recently graduated from the journalism program at Columbia College Chicago, and I will say, Mr. Cott, I had her in two classes uh, last semester, one of the best students I've ever had. Kendall, you, you make a struggling teacher proud. You're now, you've got a full-time job right out of school, uh, working for Luckbox Magazine as a writer and editor. You're a freelance music writer, got your own music blog, talking records. Kendall doesn't sleep. And she hangs out with local Chicago musicians, dig deep into who they are and their outside work. You were writing specifically for the Chicago Reader about the way Save Our Stages is playing out in Chicago, but we can extrapolate this nation. Why? Because the news ain't good, is it, Kendall? No, not at all. So this money ain't flowing? No, still not. After more than a year, not flowing. I think everybody in the music world thought, ah, thank God, the legislation has passed. It was part of that last huge push by Congress to get money to businesses who are struggling. And thankfully, they recognized tiny venues from 100, 150 capacity, all the way up to, uh, you know, theaters of several thousand, as long as they were independent, not the big corporate monsters of Live Nation. But it was revelatory to me when you did that report that their hands are still out and the money hasn't flowed. Why? What is the delay? I I wish there was an answer as to why. I think a lot of venue owners, musicians, you know, employees and everybody wish they knew why. And it almost seems, even when the money does come, it almost seems like, is it worth it? I mean, obviously people will appreciate any money that comes in, But more than a year later, venues are starting to reopen, Um, musicians are starting to get back to live gigs, so it's like, really, why why are we receiving this money now? And as of this recording right now, I don't know of anybody who's received that money yet from people I've spoken to at Chicago venues, so... And we we have to remind people, you know, the world shuts down in March of 2020, and so a venue that has maybe, let's say, a dozen employees, sound staffers, security people bookers, uh, bartenders, all of those people have been for almost a year and a half now without a salary, which is why Congress said, oh, these are important cultural institutions. We should help them. And it it is passed in a bipartisan way. (laughs) I've heard stories of the portal crashing and uh, delays in, you know, which, hey, all of us who've gotten vaccinated took a dozen times to get through, right? Anybody who's applied for one of those small business forgivable loans, the red tape was ridiculous and the computer time, you know, is that what it is? Or is there a force holding back the cash? Yeah, I, you know, I I don't want to say there is a force holding back the cash, but I think a huge part of it is like the technology aspect. And obviously that's a barrier for a lot of people who may not have always used technology to try to get money or, you know, it's, it's just been a barrier to everything, but it's crazy because obviously we're in a world now where everything's kind of remote. Things are coming back, but like most people have transitioned to like a remote setting. 
um, and doing things online. So when people are relying on that to receive money and income and to stay afloat and then it crashes, it's like so frustrating. So I don't know if there's a good answer to that. I don't know what's really holding it back, but something obviously needs to get fixed. It's uh, been a year and a half since a lot of these venues got any kind of regular revenue. So it's been a really difficult time. Uh, What's the toll looking like? Because people, club owners were warning us back in uh, the early parts of uh, the pandemic that we're looking at a potential 90% of these clubs going away by the time they get back up and running or the potential to get up and running uh, when the pandemic sort of subsides. What's your read on it now? Is that an accurate figure? Do you think that the toll is going to be that high uh, based on what you're what you found out? I'm not sure if it's going to be that high, but there's definitely still going to be a toll because obviously, you know, venues are reopening, but they're not opening at full capacity. And even when they do open, it's not like they're going to get money like coming in and then they're like, oh, we're fine. Like rent's paid. All of our employees are paid. Um, You know, not all employees are going to be going back. They're not going to be getting as many um, tickets sold. They're not going to be selling as many drinks. So it's like all these factors. They're not going to be making as much money as they were prior to the pandemic. So I still think there's that factor of some venues are going to fold. Some, you know, employees may not get their jobs back, may not even get like the full hours. Yeah, still going to see a major impact even when But but amazingly, Kendall, nobody, uh, no club in Chicago has closed as yet. No, which is incredible. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I am starting to see, Greg, I don't know if you have on on Facebook and and Twitter, uh, some venues saying suddenly we're not going to be able to reopen. Right. I mean, it's starting to get to the point where they're realizing there's not going to be an imminent influx of money. They've hung on for as long as they can. I think it also underlines the fact that this money is still needed. It may be late, but they'll take it when they can get it. I I think every penny would certainly help. Is Civil helping out? Because Civil, the locally based organization of club owners, has been very active, and they've started their own funding effort. How is that going? Yeah, very well. I don't know all of like the things off the top of my head that they do, but they are involved in so much. So they have like civil merchandise that they're selling to get money and give them to venues and musicians um, and employees. They during the pandemic, they did like a civilization series where live stream shows, you know, they've been donating or doing like fundraisers and stuff. So they've just been doing so much to help out as much as they can, which is incredible to see because they're, you know, the people who are part of Civil are struggling themselves because they're venue owners, they're employees. So that's really great to see that, you know, they're struggling, but they're willing to help other people. Well, and I think uh, one of the most inspiring parts of the story, musicians obviously have been hurting for the last year and a half, every bit as much as the venues, because they have not been able to perform. And I don't know any musicians sitting around counting their bank accounts. Do you, Greg? Uh, And in the midst of that, such is the community in Chicago, the support by musicians for the venues, that there have been two benefit albums by musicians trying to help the stages. We're going to talk about those two benefit albums when we continue this special episode of Sound Opinions. Drowning in all this pressure All I do is measure myself to other girls my age Music is what gets me Welcome 
Welcome back to this bonus episode. We're talking about the plight of independent venues in the COVID era. Two benefit albums have been helping to cushion the blow. Situation Chicago 1 and Situation Chicago 2. Kendall, can you talk a little bit about those albums? Uh, they came out, one came out last year, one just came out, uh, or is about to come out this year by a bevy of Chicago artists, some big names involved, right? Yeah, definitely. So last year, the first... Um, Situation Chicago came out, I want to say in uh, September, but it was like right towards the tail end of uh, summer last year. And it included, I want to say about 25 artists, all local Chicago musicians. The money from like that vinyl sale, it was a very limited time. I think they only were selling until like the end of December of last year. So all of the money from those sales went to 25 uh, Chicago independent venues. So it went to the venue owners, you know, to pay rent, to pay employees while they were out of work, and you know, anything else they may have needed during that time. But yeah, all proceeds from those sales went to Chicago venues. It's really a testament to how much artists value those clubs, giving away money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, all the money that ever I spent. What's the Situation Chicago 2 album? Yeah, it's definitely. So the, uh, I call him the mastermind behind the project, Trey Elder. Um, he's kind of the, the person who has, you know, helped organize it, facilitate it, get all the artists involved. But he was not planning to roll out a second Situation Chicago. Um, but obviously everyone who's very, who pays close attention to, you know, the Chicago music scene or the music scene everywhere right now knows that the need was still um, very evident. And so it just felt kind of very natural for Trey to put another one together, get more local musicians involved. Um, And, you know, you would think 25 musicians is a lot, but there was a lot of people left over that were like upset they didn't make it on the first album. So he already had people Mm -hmm. waiting to do the second album, um, which is awesome. And, you know, there's probably more that heard the second one and they're like, dang, I wish I I could have been on that one. Um, But yeah, what's what's super awesome about the first one, all the artists involved, they didn't get paid to do it. The people who produced it and mixed it, they didn't get paid for it. Nobody who really like put it together was getting paid for this. Um, and you know, same thing goes for the second one. The artists specifically who were recording or producing or mixing, you know, they were not getting compensated or paid for doing this album. All proceeds go to um, the Save Emergency Fund, which you know, goes to artists who are applying for it. But yeah, no direct compensation. So now, Kendall, you took cultural criticism in the arts with me. You're a good critic. I'm where everybody's a critic on sound opinions. You're especially ready to answer this question. Give us a song that moved you, especially from these two albums, and tell us why. My favorite song out of both albums is uh, Really Do Care by Vivi Lightbody. Um, and I may be biased just because I've loved her for years. I've followed her music, and she's a killer Chicago musician but this one specifically stood out to me because I feel like during the pandemic and I'm not sure if other people have experienced this but I really noticed my music taste change during the past year um, because I was really seeking music that made me feel comfortable or safe or something that I could like really confide in and so you know Vivi Lightbody kind of she describes herself as like nap rock 
so it's like you know music you can listen to while down ready to go to bed um just kind of chilling and so I think that like that's kind of true it, it's very comforting and calming and she has a very soothing voice and it makes me feel safe and protected and like that's kind of what I've been seeking like throughout this whole year is I really want music that makes me like feel okay so <laughs> yeah so that's yeah yeah especially this song um I wouldn't consider it folk but it kind of kind of has those vibes for me VV Light Buddy with the really do care on Sound Opinions I can't And she must. If she's given her time and energy and money she could have made selling this song, not that anybody makes money selling songs anymore, what what sort of clubs does she play at? Oh, yeah, she's awesome. I first saw her at, I want to say, Lincoln Hall. And that's a smaller venue, so super intimate. You know, I was, like, front row. And that was, like, kind of yeah. my first introduction to her. But she plays all of, like, the smaller local venues, mm -hmm. like Shuba's and, you know, Sub T, all of those great ones. Well, thank you, Kendall, for joining us on Sound Opinions. Thank you. That's it for this bonus episode of Sound Opinions to support the show, join our Patreon community and our Facebook group. The show is produced, as always, by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Sol Delgadillo. Katie Katz, our social media consultant.